0: to the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast today, we have Trevor Marks of Bull Ridge Guide Service out of Nevada. Trevor, how you doing?
1: I'm doing good, Jay. How are you doing today?
0: Good. It looks like you guys have had a great season over in Nevada. Um, how's your elk season gone?
1: Oh, it's gone really good so far. Ended up, you know, taking a few of the better bulls that we've heard of so far. Two with the archery and one with the governor's tag.
0: That's great. So let's, let's start kind of from the beginning. Um, a lot of the southwest has experienced um, widespread drought, and um, I've talked to guys from Arizona, Utah, New Mexico, uh, Colorado, across the board, and, and had droughty conditions. How was Nevada uh, going into the antler growing season? Um, what did you notice with antler growth? Any differences up or down or the same as normal?
1: Oh, it's typically dry here in Nevada anyway. You know, our bulls, I'd say, you know, kind of adapted to the drier conditions. We really haven't seen anything too drastic in the elk, although our deer seem to have been taking, you know, a hit. But the elk, they've been pretty good, and even the bull, we ended up killing the biggest one so far, the governor's bull. He's... He put on a little, actually, from last year.
0: You've um, been able to take you and and your family. Been able to take a bunch of governors' tag bulls. Um, talk a little bit about this year's governors' tag bull, and and you know, was the bull that you'd been
1: really watching,
0: and and you know, how how it all went down, and talk a little bit about
1: the story about that. All right, actually, Brock and Alan you know, they're really good friends, and Brock went to the auction for Alan, they were bidding on it, and it was getting up there, and they almost backed out, but Brock encouraged him to go a little more, and ended up getting it, so now that we had that secure, we had, you know, four or five bulls we had in mind that would be that caliber of what we wanted to hunt with that tag, and this was definitely one of them, his name was Carlos Jr., we actually hunted him. In 2015, my uncle had an archery tag. Then Brock himself had an archery tag as well, and another one of our guys. So we've been chasing him since then, and we come close during that season, but never did get him. And a guy ended up picking up his sheds, and that year he ended up grossing a little over four and netting about 3.95. And then the next year we turned him up again, and he was really good that year Um, he just seemed a lot more even and beams were even you know he's well over four and our guy Jake archery hunting come close a couple times but still just never could get it done and then last year same thing just a smart bull you know he usually had a good number of cows and tough to get in close with the bow and just never never happened in the archery season so this year when Alan got the tag you know, Brock had told him, you know, this is the bull we want to kill. Obviously, we'll look at some of the other ones, and if one's bigger, you know, for sure we'll shoot them. But this is the one we had set out to get. So when we finally did, it end up was the icing on the cake.
0: Talk a little bit about um, you know watching him through the summer. Um, were you able to you know get trail camera pictures? Were you able to you know monitor him, or did he disappear? Or, you know, when did he show up? Like, what's the story as far as, um, you know, how much, how much, you know, mental anguish, so to speak, was there, you know, deciding whether you were going to find him? Or, you know, did you keep pretty good tabs on him?
1: Well, there was a lot of mental games going on with this bull. He just would disappear from us. We'd never see him in the summer or in the winter range. The only time we'd have him turn up was in the archery season so you know them couple years when we knew he was big and trying to figure out where he went to shed just we're lost you know from he actually moved from one rut range to the next year he moved probably over 20 miles and just rutted in a completely different area you know when we first seen him over there and we're like this bull's a huge bull and after getting video and comparing the two we're like shoot that's him i can't believe he moved that far So he definitely kept us, you know, wondering what he was doing, but right before that season opened, you know, Brock had found him, and we knew he had ended up pretty good, so that was, you know, our number one bull on the list, one of our other ones, he grew a little bit, but not too much, so he was right around that 400-inch mark, gross, you know, we had been pretty fortunate in taking four hundred net bulls with that tag, so that's our goal when we have that type of tag is to kill a four hundred net bull.
0: What did Allen's bull end up going?
1: Um, we'll say after the sixty days, you know, some <laughs> stuff went on before with yeah. Some scoring deals, but it it'll definitely it's one of the biggest typicals killed in Nevada ever.
0: And what's his configuration?
1: So, just a giant six point he was a 6-7 last year, typical 6-7, but he lost that just big, heavy six-point now. So his typical score will be... And he's fairly um, symmetrical as well, you know, a little bit, mainly one beam. One beam's over 60, and then the other one's, you know, mid-50s, mid mid-to-upper-50s. So that's about his biggest deduction on him.
0: What... So you killed two other archery bulls, and then I assume do you have some late hunts coming up, or are there are there some early season firearms? Um, I'm not familiar with what the you know what tags you guys have left, or or so talk a little bit about those archery bulls, and then the, the next tags that you also have.
1: From the archery hunt it uh, starts August 25th till September 16th. So we just finished you know about a week and a half ago, and ended up killing. Six archery bulls. And the two biggest are right there, grossing around that 400-inch mark. And brought pad Bruce, one of the other hunters, and found that bull. And they actually hunted him last year. Brought bid with a guy, and the guy just wasn't quite patient enough, sitting there, and got antsy after another bull one and ended up killing that one when the other one was in the area. But he put on quite a few inches. He actually grew probably, I don't know, 15, 20 inches. And they got that one killed. So then it was the last day of the archery season, Brock was looking around again. He'd done really good. Brock put in a lot of time this year looking for Allen and turned up quite a few big bulls. And this was one of the ones he found in the summer. So when he turned them up hardhorn. you know, that last day of the archery season, we had one of our other guys, Matt, that was hunting. So they went down there and just same thing that bull was rutting pretty good goes up into the hills the last evening and we're sitting there waiting i got down there with them in the midday we went and helped out another friend Jed and i so after we killed her a bull we ran down there anyway we sat up there all evening listening and finally about 30 minutes before light or dark that bull bugled so we kind of knew where he was and he was the only one up in there and luckily snuck up in there and got an arrow in him and put him down, but just another giant bull that, in since last year, same thing, he grew, I'd say that 15, 20 inches, so a lot of our bulls did grow still pretty good for as dry as it was.
0: Did you guys get quite a bit of moisture um, in the summer months? Uh, I know a lot of the other states, you know, was really dry through the winter and the spring, and then- you know, late monsoon, got a, got a bunch of monsoon rain. Um, how was your winter moisture and spring and then and, and into the summer moisture?
1: The winter moisture, like I said, you know, it was pretty dry. It wasn't that good. But luckily a lot of our bulls summer up real high. So a lot of them north faces still got, you know, a lot of good grass and moisture in them. And then really we didn't get too much other moisture till about June, July. You know, and most of them were finishing off during that time, so not a lot in that mid-growing mid, mid growing season, but they summered or wintered really good and didn't have a hard winter. So to me, we've kind of seen that that has a lot more to do with antler growth is how hard they winter versus, you know, having a lot of moisture from a heavy winter.
0: So in other words, if, they, if they're not stressed, in the winter, you see a good antler season usually um, when they grow their next set, but if you see a real harsh winter, you see it reflect in the the antlers?
1: Yeah, you know, for sure from what, what we've seen. You know, more often than not that if it's a heavy winter that we've seen them dive fairly hard off of that.
0: Do you see your big bulls, I mean, from year to year, do they vary as much as, say, Arizona or Utah or New Mexico, meaning, you know, sometimes they can get those seven, eight-year-old bulls that are, you know, pushing 400 and then all of a sudden a bad year and they could go to 360 and then back to another good year and they could be, you know, back to close to 400. Do you see that, you know, because I know you pick up a lot of sheds as well, do you see that big, drastic change, or do you in Nevada is that not really the case?
1: Um. Not really, you know. We have seen them, like you said. The really the only ones that we've, you know, watched from year to year and drop off really hard was the bull we called Squiggly. That in '92 he was about 415. My uncle's got that set, and then the next year was a super hard winter, and he went down to about 385. And then the next year he jumped back up to about that 4.15. So that's where we've seen, you know, ones with a hard winter really take him down. Another bull we had that actually that was one of the archer bulls we killed last year that Nick killed. Brock was hunting him in the 2015, and I got that set. He's busted up a little bit, but intact. He is about 4.15 to 4.18. And then the next year, and it wasn't a bad winter at all, and where he wintered it was low, you know, really dry for the most part, but he dropped back down to about 390, and then next year when Nick killed him again, he jumped up to about 405. So just, you know, a selective few here and there, but for the most part, they're not, you know, that we've seen dropping that bad. And other bulls we've had, you know, I picked up a set of sheds off a bull that, my cousin Tracy killed, and he stayed about the same size for three years. And actually, even when he killed him, I just looked recently and his, found his age, and he was aged at 13.
0: I was just so going to ask you, um, there in Nevada, do you guys send off and get those a lot of your bulls aged? And if so, what age... You know, are most of these big bulls, you know, these 400-inch bulls, what what age are most of them?
1: They used to require a tooth to be sent in. Nevada did. They hadn't done it the last one or two years. So a lot of the bulls we did kill, you know, the guys sent the teeth in. But we see a peak in the bulls, you know, anywhere from 8 to 12 probably. We have had bulls. Alan's big Mandingo bull that he killed a couple years ago with us, 2015, ended up grossing, I think, like 419 typical, netting 410. He was actually only 8 years old. We had another bull that died of natural causes. My dad got his set of sheds, and the fish and game aged him at 17 plus.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah, and at 17 plus, he was still 394 gross like 374 net, and my dad's biggest set off him from two years before that, so he has 15, you know, or so, was 422 gross and 413 net. Jeez. Yeah, so still at 15, you know, he was still, you know, that big.
0: That's incredible. Um, I want to take a quick second here to thank the sponsors of the podcast, and I want to remind the listeners that my friend Cody Nelson is the new Optics Manager at GoHunt.com Gear Shop. And if you're looking for any optics at all, uh, you can call Cody. He's going to take care of the J. Scott Outdoors podcast listeners. You can call him directly at 702-847-8747, extension 2, or you can email him directly at optics, that's O-P-T-I-C-S, at GoHunt.com. I want to thank them for their sponsorship make sure to mention to Cody that you're a a J. Scott Outdoors podcast listener, and he promised me he's going to take care of you guys. I also want to thank KUIU.com, K-U-I-U.com. I know Trevor, uh, I know you're a big KUIU guy and, and love their gear as well as I do. I uh, want to thank them for their sponsorship. And then CanyonCoolers.com, if you guys are interested in getting a new cooler, check out canyoncoolers.com, use the J. Scott promo code, and you're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Trevor, you talk about um, those age of those bulls. Um, I'm over here in Colorado on the ot 6 Ranch, and a friend of mine purchased this ranch last September and been monitoring and checking out bulls, videoing them at, you know morning and evening and running trail cameras, and um, was curious your thoughts on deformed pedicle bulls. Um, we have one bull that we nicknamed Loppy. That uh, they've the, before the um, before I got here, they have pictures of Loppy in 2013, and um, he looked to be about the same frame size. And his his um, right side is deformed pedicle, kind of grows out. But he's still a, you know a big frame type of bull. Um, this year he seems to be 30 inches smaller. In your mind, are deformed pedicles? well, first, do you have much experience with them? And then second, um, do you think that that's something that's genetic or do you think that that's something that they've damaged their pedicle and then every year they're going to grow a set that's going to be deformed like that?
1: I think it's more genetic than not, but there are a few that we had seen bulls, like you say, young you know, spikes, raghorns that say, go to jump a fence, we've seen him one actually before get caught and fell over on his antler and broke his antler, then it was just flopping, you know, while he was running off. So obviously that pedicle had broke, was still intact with the hide, and then grow over with it, you know, deformed. And then the other part where I do think it is genetics that we have one spot In one day, I seen three bulls that were a typical seven-point on the one side and a screwed-up pedicle on the other. Right. You know, so it was in the same area. So to me, I I do think it, you know, can be genetic, but other times I do see where just a young bull, you know, ends up breaking that pedicle.
0: Yeah, definitely I think when you see the same antler configuration year after year, Um, I would think genetically that's that's a bull that has, you know, my opinion is that's a bull that's, you know, whatever side it is, Um, genetically he's got a deformed pedicle and he'll never grow anything but a deformed pedicle. So um, just interesting to get your take on that. Mm -hmm. So are there any late rifle hunts? you know coming up or is that more later in the fall and how do you anticipate the season in Nevada going on those late hunts?
1: We still have a muzzleloader hunt coming up October okay. 22nd till November 5th Okay. and then there will be two late hunts after that November 6th to the 20th then November 21st till December 4th. So we still got the majority, the biggest part of our elk hunts coming up. It'll be interesting this year like we are talking with the precipitation and the moisture affecting horn growth, I think it didn't really affect our horn growth as much, but I think the density of our antlers changed. And that being said, that we're seeing a lot more broke bulls this year than before. So but I do think for that... For the
0: listeners it, out there, explain to them what bone density and you know, your opinion of bone density and why that, if, if bone density is, is lacking, how that equates to broken antlers?
1: I think it just makes them a lot more brittle. You know, there's not as much flex in them with, you know, just for whatever reason, if they got this type of material or mineral or not, that, like I said, they're a lot more brittle, a lot more stiff, so when these bulls are fighting or raking, a lot of times we see a lot of the broken points are breaking in, and we have some really rough terrain and a lot of rock. So when the bulls start rutting, you know, and urinating on the ground or start raking that ground, that's a lot of force growing through the mantlers, you know, with just the tips of their points in the ground. So we see a lot of broken tips through that, and then it seems like more broken beams, hole points are from fighting, you know, et cetera. You
0: talk about this muzzleloader hunt coming up. Um, do you hear much bugling during that season? I think you said third week in October. Do you get some of that second, you know, cow estrus cycle, or is it pretty much pretty much over with as far
1: as bugling by then? No, they they're still bugling fairly decent. Uh, majority of the bigger bulls are broken off by then, as far as from the cows just out solo. It can be a tough hunt here in Nevada. Nevada is open sight for muzzleloader. No sing, you know, no single power or anything. It's just iron sights or true glow sights, you know, any of that. But it is open sight, so it does make it tough when they're done rutting, because then they go back up into their winter range, which is a lot of cross canyon stuff, a lot of rock slides, thick area. So that muzzleloader hunt getting into that. 150 yards gets pretty tough.
0: As you move into the late elk hunt, I get a lot of questions about where to find bulls, um, you know, in the late season, and how do you hunt them? Could you address that a little bit? Maybe some of the consistencies that you see in late, you know, some of your better late hunt spots, as far as terrain, um, topography, you know, vegetation. What What are those bulls in the late season? What do they look for?
1: Well, from, you know, my experience that definitely I've found that, you know, er early morning late glassing that you're going to find them in the openings. You know, in the openings, they'll eat a lot of grass. It's probably one of their, you know, biggest foods that they eat that there's not a whole lot of that that grows in them thick trees. There is some, but You'll definitely find them out in the openings, you know, real early. And then obviously they're going to go in them thicker trees and bet on some north sides if they got it or just even the thickest trees they got because we've heard that an elk's comfortable at like 20 degrees in November. So when we have them 60, 70 degree days and it's sunny, them elk aren't staying out in the sun very long. They're definitely heading to bed pretty quick.
0: So you talk about looking at those openings early on, but then do you focus a lot of your glassing on those? You just look on the mountain and look for the shadiest spot, the thickest spot where they can get the most cover and the most shade?
1: Yeah, definitely that. And then to me, if I'm in a spot where I can be mobile, I like to cover a lot of country. You know, we only have, say, roughly about an hour, hour and a half in the mornings to be looking on them open sides, so I'm trying to move to the spots that I know elk generally hang, and then once it starts slowing down, then I'll start hitting them north sides and taking my time in that shady spot trying to pick them out, either bedded or just slowly feeding, looking for cover.
0: Normally, the Nevada late-season elk hunts um, seems like you guys, and I say you guys, your guiding outfit as well as others, do pretty well as far as killing some pretty good bulls comparing state to state on the late hunts. Um, It doesn't seem like you guys get quite as much breakage as other states. Do you have an opinion on that?
1: Well, like I said, it has been really good, and I think more has to do with, like, I was saying with our summer routine to where they're eating a lot of high-protein, you know, good green grass on the north side where it's not drying out as fast as, like said, other states where Arizona, being a lot hotter or, you know, less weather, New Mexico, any of that stuff. But just here, our genetics are really good. Like I said, our bone density, what we've seen, lately have been really good to where they're not breaking up super bad. Usually, you know, you might get a broke point here or there, but, and then other than that, too, is we have quite a few bulls to where we're being a lot more selective, I think, as well. You know, we're not wanting to shoot that bull that's got, you know, if he's got over 15 inches broke, we're definitely not going to want to shoot him. Right. You know, we're typically okay with, you know, 8 to 10 inches broke, but, once they got more than that, it's just it's tough to do. You know, the animal don't get credit for what he really is. We just we just if we can stay away from it, we try to at all costs.
0: Yeah. Um looking forward, you know, you've got phenomenal deer and sheep as well and, and you're as well as chasing lions, um you've got a lot of you've got a lot of passions, man.
1: Thanks, yeah, definitely. <laughs> It comes, like I said, without a cost. Uh, you know.
0: Looking forward into those deer hunts. Um, how do you anticipate the deer season being this year? You know, compared to other years, um, as far as quality of bucks, size of bucks. Um, you know, is it going to be average, better, or worse than than normal? In your opinion.
1: I think it's going to be down this year. Definitely less than average. We spent the first week of the archery hunt. And one of these other units, it's typically really good. And in that first week, we probably seen over 150 bucks, and probably only two, I'd say, with that 180 class. So it was a real disappointment, you know, to say the
0: least. Gotcha. What about your sheep season? Um, I know you're always looking for, for rams. How's it looking there?
1: Well, the rams are doing really good, you know. Um, talking with Colby down south there they've been hitting it hard and they've seen a lot of good deserts we just got back with my cousin there he killed that California bighorn up north of Ely here and we've seen a lot of really good rams in that hunt too and we found this one and luckily got it done
0: good um Trevor, I really appreciate you spending time with us today. I want to give you a chance to let the listeners know how they can best find out more about you, how they can follow, etc. and I'll try and also link those up in the show notes. And so would you do that for me?
1: All right, yeah, you can follow us on Facebook at our Bull Ridge Guide Service. We have a page on there. And also on Instagram at Bull Ridge Guide Service. And probably the easiest is to go to their either page or our website at www bull-ridge.com and it's got our contact info on there along with some recent pictures of the hunts and stay up to date give us a call if you're interested in playing for Nevada
0: sounds awesome man well congratulations on your success so far this year with the big elk um, that you guys have killed several of the big big bulls you guys have killed and look forward to see how you guys do in the late season and Always enjoy following along on your Instagram page and really just appreciate you spending time with us here.
1: Of course, and thank you too, Jay, and good luck to your hunts as well this year.
0: All right, buddy. Well, God bless. Take care, okay? All right, you too. All right. All right, bye.